0: Well, we haven't put out a podcast in a few weeks because had holidays, Thanksgiving,
1: life changes, life stuff going on, Mm -hmm.
0: and we're coming up to more holidays, but we wanted to address this issue of a fair healing when you're doing it alone without a partner. Right. And when we talk about a fair healing, we have a whole website at fairhealing.com, my manuals are titled a fair healing, but we don't limit a fair healing to just one particular outcome. We reject ideas that you must save your marriage or you must leave your marriage.
1: Sure. And there
0: are approaches and there are books and there are speakers and there are counselors that push for one of those two outcomes.
1: Yeah, but that's impossible because everybody's different and every scenario is different. Right.
0: People are different. The circumstances are different. Mm -hmm. There are times when real healing will be a restoration of a relationship and a marriage. And there are other times when the healing choice should be out Of a relationship or marriage for Mm -hmm. one reason or the other, especially if you've got a partner who's not cooperating with you and it makes it a little bit difficult. Mm -hmm. And of course, we
1: always wish that the marriage would survive. Well, I
0: think so. If if it has a history of being healthy, especially if there are kids involved, Mm -hmm. there's that part of us that knows that that'd be a great ending to Mm -hmm. this story. But we don't. It's not our responsibility to make that happen.
1: Well, we can't. It's impossible for us (laughs) to make that happen. We could
0: try to manipulate things and push things and guilt people into doing it. That would be horrible. That would be horrible because we've experienced those kinds of things Mm -hmm. in our past before. So we want to come alongside people and just help them understand what it means to make the next healthy step. And for some of you listening to that, that may mean that you are stepping away from your marriage Mm
2: -hmm.
0: in order to be healthy yourself. Some of the things that we want to address, timing issue, when should this be considered? We're going to touch on legal issues because that just comes up a lot. And Mm -hmm. we're not attorneys, so we're not going to give legal advice. But there are some things we want to say about that. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about emotional issues that you're going to face when you go through this, relationship issues, and we may even touch a little bit on spiritual issues for those of you that kind of have to wrestle with that part of things as well. Sound good?
1: Yep. (laughs)
0: Let me just say a quick word about my book, A Fair Healing, A Recovery Manual for Betrayed Spouses. This is more than just a book, it's actually a workbook manual filled with exercises and worksheets to help the injured partner work through their healing, whether their healing is going to be without their partner or in cooperation with a partner that works towards the restoration and healing of their marriage. It provides instructions and help both ways and will give you specific things to work on and to do to help in the process. Included with the manual is also a free download of the Recovery Guide for Couples, or you can purchase that separately. For a limited time, I'm offering a 25% discount on either the print or download version of the Affair Healing Manuals. You can also get it in Kindle form, but I can't offer the discount on those purchases. But for a limited time, go to AffairHealingBook.com. And you can order either the print version or the PDF downloadable version and just enter the code HOPE at checkout to receive your 25% discount. Again, go to affairhealingbook.com and enter the word HOPE when you are purchasing either the print or the PDF download version. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim and Sharon Tedder. After an affair, when should someone start considering whether or not they should heal alone rather than with their partner?
1: Well, from the opinion or viewpoint of the injured spouse, first off, above anything else, don't make the decision too quickly. Well, I'd
0: say that for either one of them, that would be true, right?
1: Yeah. Because from the viewpoint of the injured spouse, the uncovering of a betrayal like that is an enormous upheaval in your emotional and mental state. You're in shock sometimes. You probably just
0: feel like running.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you're in traumatic Levels of varying severity. Mm-hmm. So, you cannot really make a good decision in the outset of that kind of information. Yeah, I mean, there are a
0: lot of permanent choices that might need to be made through this whole healing process in mm-hmm. regards to marriage, relationship, children, money. We really encourage people not to make choices that are going to have permanent consequences in those first days or weeks.
1: Yeah, I would say at least weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're probably talking about months. In Mm -hmm. most situations, until those emotions settle down to the place where you're seeing them with a kind of clarity that can move you towards really good choices.
1: Right. Well, and I think that you need counseling in there. Well, (laughs) we're a little biased in that. (laughs) Well, but no, because I think that... And and I do believe that you would probably be able to make the decision more quickly if you have good, solid counseling going on to work through all of that shock and trauma. Well, I
0: certainly would say getting healthy, balanced input from mm-hmm. the people you trust and that care about you, mm-hmm. and especially those that can give a little bit more objective perspective on everything that's going on can be mm-hmm. helpful. So if there's any, ever a time to go to counseling, mm. this would be a time to consider doing that. And by the way, we have many couples that come in and say, we've never been to counseling before, but we feel like we need it now. Sure, so yeah. That happens. So let's say that the injured spouse has given it some time okay, and now they're coming to a place of choice. What should be the measure, the considerations well, in determining whether they stay or go?
1: I think that a lot of it has to do with how they perceive the betraying partner as moving toward them or being willing to work it out. I think we've spoken with a lot of people who want it to work out, but they, after some time has gone by, the affair person still doesn't show much movement toward them. They still don't show much investment in the relationship. They kind of want to either ping pong back and forth between the affair partner and the spouse. Or Mm -hmm. they want to kind of pretend it never happened and just move on and forget it. Why are you still bothering me about this? So in those cases, the injured spouse really needs to go, hmm.
0: So they're someone who would like to be able to put their marriage back together again or find healing in their marriage. They're willing to do that. But they're not able to do it because they're with a partner who's not willing or able to do their part in it.
1: Right, right. And I think that's a huge thing to kind of pay attention to. Are you the only one working in the marriage anymore? Yeah.
0: And, And by the way, that... It's not always obvious right off the bat, especially if an affair is uncovered and not confessed Mm. from the beginning. But I think the longer it takes to get there, Mm -hmm. the less chance your marriage is going to have to survive. The harder it's going to be for you to ever trust. So as time goes by, if you're with a spouse who is not able or willing to do their part in making the changes to earn your trust back again and heal your marriage, then that's probably time to say can't do this alone.
1: Yeah, because you have to be going by what is healthy for you at that point. If you're in a marriage where you're the only one working, you're the only one trying to, you know, work through things in the marriage, that's not a healthy place for you to be. You yeah. can't do that alone.
0: Right. I think there's another situation in which the injured spouse may be unable mm-hmm. to find healing in their marriage and so has to move on alone, and that would be in cases where their personal story is one of severe past maybe abuse mm-hmm. or abandonment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes the experience of an affair is just beyond their ability to move back to trust again because mm-hmm. it just triggers those past wounds. Sure, That's not anything that has to do with their being too weak. It just means they have an experience that makes them especially vulnerable to that kind of wound.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And
0: so they may say, I, you know, I, I wish things could be different, but I don't think I can bear this and trust again.
1: Also, I think there's something to be said for patterns again there, where if if the betrayed spouse realizes, wait a minute, this is a pattern in my life. I've had other people cheat on me repeatedly, mm. and I need to really figure out my own stuff here yeah. and figure out what's driving me to do this kind of thing. Yeah. So there's some deeper issues there that they need to investigate.
0: That kind of touches on another idea that sometimes the experience of an affair or infidelity can bring an awareness to both spouses, both partners, that their vision for a healthy relationship or desired relationship or marriage, maybe for the first time they realized we don't have the same vision for what that looks Mm -hmm. like. Or maybe one of them has changed in ways that you begin to measure and say, we're not even working towards the same goal. And I've said this before, but it's like two people trying to build a house using two different blueprints. Right. It's not going to work. Right. You're constantly going to be frustrated and conflict with one another. So I've had couples come in, and because they've never been clear about what they were working towards, their whole marriage has been one experience of frustration. From the very beginning, it's because they've been always moving in different directions in the relationship. And now maybe they're realizing it for the first time.
1: Sure. Because so. nothing big enough came out to unveil all that until the right. affair.
0: Mm-hmm. So those are some of the reasons why an injured spouse might be unable to move forward with a partner. But I, I guess I want to leave room for choice here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe sometimes the betrayed spouse is just not willing to sure. do that. I mean, we've said that we believe that person who has been betrayed, someone broke the promise that was made to them. Mm-hmm. At that moment, they have a right to leave if they sure. choose to do that.
1: Sure. Absolutely. And I know we're going to touch on spiritual stuff later, but one of the things about that is that even in a Christian circle, you have the out once your spouse has cheated on you.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially if it's a repeated
1: pattern. Oh, especially. (laughs) (laughs) No, at some point you recognize there's a pattern there. You have to say, hmm, at this point, I'm just making that choice. If it's a
0: repeated pattern Mm -hmm. and there's nothing obviously different about this time around, Mm -hmm then that would be a context in which sure. we'd probably encourage people to consider well, what they should be I know I would, be just to...
1: because that is my story, too, yeah. from my first marriage. There was a repetition there. It happened many, many times, sprinkled throughout our marriage of only four and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So by that time, I really felt like I need to make a healthy choice for myself. And the healthy choice for myself is to move out of this.
0: Let's consider the timing issue from the perspective of the one who is involved in an affair. I mean, in much the same way, they may need to move forward alone if they are unable or unwilling to do so with their partner, but probably for different reasons. Mm -hmm. The unwillingness may come from simply their choice. I want to spend the future with my affair partner.
2: Right. And And you know
0: what? If they're making that choice... They need to declare it and do it. Don't play this game of, well, that's what I want, but I'm going to make you so miserable that maybe you finally leave or make these superficial efforts and say, hey, see, I tried counseling or whatever, and it just didn't work. Not that they would
1: do that intentionally most of the time. Well, some people do. Some people do. Some people play that game. But some people are that out of touch with their own issues and their own bad coping mechanisms that they don't even realize that they're doing that, that they would rather lay the blame on the betrayed spouse. Like, oh, well, she didn't want to work it out. So, you know what I mean?
0: I mean, there are times that I've worked with a couple for a while and just working individually with the one that was involved in an affair. Mm -hmm. After a while, if they remain stuck and just Mm -hmm. can't stop wanting to be with the affair partner, Mm -hmm. despite the work that I encourage them to do and the time, I encourage them to take understanding themselves and what they envision for a healthy future. Mm -hmm. If they're still saying to me, I want to be with the affair partner, Mm -hmm. whether I agree with it or not, I'm not their spiritual guide. I'm not the one who gets to come in and play God in their life Mm -hmm. to make their choices for them. But if they cannot move away from that choice Mm -hmm. after a period of time, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: make the choice. Right. Go. Otherwise, to stay in this indecisiveness. We call Mm -hmm. it the ping pong effect. Mm -hmm. There's a past podcast about that. What that does is just wears everybody down. Everybody. I mean, can you think back, how many times have you seen a good outcome after an extended ping pong man, <laughs> it, it hardly ever happens. It gets, it gets it worse and worse for
1: burns everybody. Everything out, I'm not saying yeah. there
0: can't be a period of that. That's pretty common at the beginning, right, but that period. starts going on for months and months, months and
1: months and, and they just go
0: years. back and forth. And it's up to the, uh, you know, betrayed spouse to kind of keep pushing and making decisions. That's not going to oh, have a gosh, good outcome. Oh gosh,
1: no. It's so damaging to and everybody. And so if
0: someone is saying, I I want to be with the affair partner. Well, don't stay in your marriage just trying to be the good person. I right. don't want to be. I don't want to be that one that finally pulls the play. Hey, you've already made your choice. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's another circumstance in which the uh, involved spouse may be unwilling mm. to move forward in their marriage, even if they don't want to stay with the affair partner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they may look at the work required, That's right, <laughs> and decide, you know what, I don't think my marriage has enough value for me, or I'm not interested in working on change myself. And so if that's what's required to fix this, I'd rather just move on, cut my losses and leave.
1: And if that's their feeling if about that's it, their
0: opinion.
1: I will encourage them to go right, as much as possible. No, we're because... not saying
0: that that's the choice we like to see people no. make. But again, we can't reach into people's hearts and minds and twist them around and make them change. Right. If they come hungry to understand and want to move and heal, we can be really honest with them mm-hmm. and help them understand what it means to gain clarity in those areas. But if in the end, they're saying, I'm not really interested in change. This is the way I've lived all my life. Don't want to do anything different. Well, then, then there's nothing then to leave. do
1: to make <laughs> them stay. That's yeah, the thing. Right. They they are 100% not going to be able to do the work, make the changes, do all that stuff because yeah. they don't want to. And in that
0: unwillingness, that may be the choice that, mm-hmm. you know, and some do just leave. It's too yeah. much work. Yeah. Right? It's too much expected of me or yeah. necessary from me. I don't and then I would say, that. for
1: everyone's sake, go ahead and say goodbye and, and go. Because yeah. for, especially for the betrayed spouse at that point.
0: Right. But there are circumstances sometimes when the involved spouse wants to work on their marriage and wants to move with their spouse towards healing, but they're unable to do that. Mm-hmm. When do we see that happening?
1: Oh, well, I would say when the betrayed spouse is just really struggling and can't seem to move out of the unforgiveness part. They can't seem to move through the traumatic part of it. Or they're just not able to get to where they can forgive the person and move forward and trust them again and...
0: Yeah. No, this is a tricky thing to talk about because I've a lot of betrayed spouses out there saying, hey, 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 don't. I mean, they want to leave because my emotions are high and it's really hard for them to stay connected with me. So it sounds like you're giving my spouse an excuse to just say, yeah, I can't put up with this and go. Mm-hmm. We have a strong message to unfaithful spouses. You need to hang in there.
2: Mm-hmm. It's,
0: this is going to take time. Mm-hmm. You need to be patient. Mm-hmm. If you really want to bring healing. This is going to take longer than you want it to take. It's going to be harder than you expect it to be. And it's going to feel a little lopsided for a while.
1: Yeah, and okay. But
0: you (laughs) need to be willing to come in and provide what's necessary to help your spouse heal. Absolutely. So so we don't want to walk away from that belief and, and that encouragement. But we also want to be very clear. That the person who's had an affair is not destined to a lifetime of just having to pay the consequence in their marriage. To be with a spouse who just said, hey, you know what? Don't ever expect me to forgive you. You don't have the right to expect anything good from me. You're just going to have to live with it. And we've seen couples who for years... Yeah. Are living in that dynamic where the betrayed spouse is just angry yeah. and feels they have a right to be angry, and I'll never forgive
1: you. Right. For this. And here's the thing I think that the difference lies in the betrayed spouse because sometimes people don't really want. get through it and forgive and move forward and trust again i can hear a lot of people go what (laughs) yeah and this is not most people i'm not talking about most people because most betrayed spouses do want to work it through Mm. and they're torn up about it and they want to be okay and they want to feel better and they want to do all that and no matter how much of a struggle it is and how much they're triggered they still hang in there and try to figure out you know how Mm. they can move through this stuff well why
0: would some people not want to
1: well in rare occasions There are people that because of their own woundedness, because of where they are, they find themselves kind of stuck in this mindset that if they let go and they forgive, it's kind of letting their spouse off the hook. Mm -hmm. It's kind of saying what you did was okay. And that is not true, but that's how it feels. And I get that's how it feels. I've struggled with that in my own life, you know? But it isn't how it actually is. And the betrayed spouse then sits there almost intentionally not wanting to get healing and not wanting to work it out. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a rarity. This isn't the norm. It's not even equal amounts of people that do this. Yeah.
0: but Don't you think sometimes that staying in that angry state, Mm -hmm. that accusing state, Mm -hmm. that justice state, Yeah. Is just safer.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I
0: can be angry with you, I keep my guards up, I can judge you, and I I don't have to risk anything. No. If I work towards forgiveness, if I work towards connection with you again, Mm -hmm. I could really be hurt. Absolutely. So I'm just gonna put my armor on, get my weapons out. Yep. And you better live with it, buddy, because this is the consequence of what you've
1: done. Right. And I think a lot of times when we have that 1% of people that kind of get stuck there and doesn't give it up and doesn't want to move forward, I believe that almost always, if you look in their family of origin story, in their past relationship story, there are wounds there of betrayal that are deep and they have learned that if they kind of live in that pain that it justifies what they already believe about the world, if Mm. that makes sense. This is a mean place, Mm. really, Mm -hmm. and people hurt me. Mm. And it kind of justifies that worldview that they may have already had even before this marriage and this infidelity.
0: I suspect the number of marriages that stay together after an affair that are characterized by anger Mm -hmm. and unforgiveness Mm -hmm. and this ongoing, (laughs) you're the bad person, don't expect anything good from me. Mm -hmm. I think it's higher than 1%. Oh, okay. I think it's significantly higher than that
2: really
0: It'd be great if it wasn't, but how many couples there's that's struggling? three and four years after the affair and that dynamic is set up where the person that was betrayed is still entrenched in anger Mm -hmm. and judgment Mm -hmm. and there's no softness, there's no grace, or Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say no, but there's little softness, there's little grace, there's little forgiveness and the person that had the affair is just resigned to the fact as well, I guess this is the way it is going to have to live with this the rest of my life
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: I say to someone who had the affair, you are 100% responsible for that. You broke the vows of your marriage and you did deep, deep damage to your relationship and to your spouse. Mm-hmm. You need to be hyper-focused on the changes you need to make for healing yourself and for healing this relationship and making it safe again. Mm-hmm. But there are times when I see the efforts that a person is making in that regard. Mm-hmm. And nobody's perfect, so right. nobody's one's going to get it but they really are making consistent efforts to make that repair to the damage that they caused. Mm. And months and years down the road, there's no give or very little give in their spouse. They're quick to anger. Mm -hmm. They're constantly judging. And at some point I say, well, you have the right to expect a partner who's going to join you in the healing.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, again, just like I said before. Both people have to be working. Mm -hmm. Both people have to be willing to do what it takes and work the process and move toward forgiveness, move toward mutual understanding and connection. Both people have to be there. And
0: to the betrayed partner who may listen to this and saying, "Don't. Ex- why should you expect anything from me? I didn't break that.
1: It's for you. And you're right.
0: Huh. But end your marriage if that's right. the result oh, no, of it. Exactly. Don't stay in a marriage where you're no. saying, well, I'm not going to move back into that vulnerability because then where Because you're in pain expected.
1: too. You're not just mm-hmm. putting pain on the person who had the affair. You're living in agony. Right. Yeah. That's a terrible place to feel that you are living continually every day.
0: So the timing issue for either the injured spouse or the involved spouse is one in which, you know, you come to a place where there's either unwillingness or inability to move towards a trusting relationship with your partner again, either because of something you're bringing or not bringing to the table or mm-hmm. something that's part of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and again, it often feels that way right at the beginning. Sure. You can't know until enough time's gone by, things have settled down, and you get a clear perspective of the direction that the people are going and that the relationship may go. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about legal issues. Because okay. we bring it up in sessions with clients sometimes. Oh, well,
1: because sometimes, yeah, it's a real thing of why they are stuck where they are is because of legal issues. So mm-hmm.
0: We don't give legal advice to clients, but we often encourage them to go get advice from an attorney.
2: Absolutely. In regards
0: to what their future might look like and the things that they need to attend to in order to secure the next steps.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Talking to a family law attorney does not mean you're going to file for divorce. No. It just means you need to understand what the options are. Mm-hmm. And I think usually our encouragement is most often to the betrayed partner because they're the ones oftentimes who are reluctant to do that because they don't want to do anything that might diminish the hope of
2: mm-hmm. of
0: the marriage surviving but we often say, listen, this doesn't mean that you're going to file for divorce. It doesn't mean you're making a choice in that direction. It just means that you need to understand what your options are. Right. And for both partners, you may not know what the other person's doing. And so I think even from a financial perspective, it's probably good just to know, listen, where do things stand?
2: Absolutely. So
0: if there's any thought that divorce is a possibility Mm -hmm. once that is even a possibility we usually encourage people to go get a consultation Mm -hmm. with a good family law practitioner Mm -hmm. finding the right attorney is important. Yes. Because if you get one that's just going to turn this into a battle, into a war, and mm-hmm. many of them, Try that's their business. get as much money out <laughs> yeah.
1: of everybody as possible. It's not going
0: go well. I, I guess it's how does someone find a good attorney? We've got some that we recommend just mm-hmm. because we know they have good reputations.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I would encourage people to talk to other couples that you may know who have been through divorce and on the other side of it, they seem to be pretty healthy in the way they cooperate together, especially if they have children and so forth. Talk to them about that process, see if they would recommend anybody. Mm -hmm. I would look for attorneys that practice
1: Collaborative? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Collaborative. Is that collaborative law or collaborative process? I don't, I just. I'm not sure. <laughs> collaborative divorce. I'm yeah, not sure. But yeah. it's collaborative. You'll see that on there. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are open to working with couples that are going to do this in cooperation with each other right. instead of turning it into a bore.
1: Exactly. You're actually coming together in like a meeting room mm-hmm. and everybody discussing finances and all that on the table openly with each other. And try to work out, it's more like a negotiation, you know, where you decide where things are allocated and everybody agrees on it and everybody signs off on it. It's a very friendly, (laughs) as friendly as it can be, it's amicable where everybody kind of feels like they are in agreement that what they're walking away with is going to be okay for them. Yes.
0: If you're coming up to that decision, the possibility of having to move on alone Get some legal advice to help you understand what that's going to look like.
1: I mean, because I've even had a client that went in and she was really glad she did. She made a, a consultation with an attorney and the attorney told her that that point, due to various reasons, it would have been financially very detrimental to her because of just what was going on with their financial status and the attorney told her to wait at least six months before mm-hmm. actually doing any of processes toward that and you know so she needed to know that yeah. rather than just kind of going well i guess i'll file <laughs> and then having it really backfire for her right. to where she wouldn't have what she needed mm-hmm. so i think it's very important to get that discussed with somebody and again to kind of you know, feel out the situation about the attorney and make sure that there's somebody that has recommendations that they are really in it for the right reasons and invested in your good and your marriage is good and your children's good and all that. So, all right.
0: let's talk about emotional issues. Wow, there's a lot.
1: Yeah, to I was gonna say, say let, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Let's narrow let, it down. Let,
0: let's let's narrow it down to a couple of the biggies.
1: Okay, so grief
0: grief, the grief, the pain that Mm -hmm. people experience Mm -hmm. if they're thinking about moving on alone. Yeah. Let me tell you two ways you can reach out to us. The first is by leaving your message, either a comment or question, on our 24-hour podcast hotline at 407-536-7398. Your call will go directly to voicemail. We sometimes edit messages, include them in these podcasts, but if you prefer that we don't, just tell us. You can call anytime. That number is four zero seven five three six seventy three ninety eight. 7398 A more personal way of connecting with us is by scheduling a phone coaching session with either me, Sharon, or Jennifer. We offer both 25- and 50-minute sessions, and you can schedule sessions through our website. For all the information you need, go to affairhealing.com slash coaching. Thank you for listening. I recently posted an article titled, Don't Pit Your Tent in the Cemetery mm-hmm. When Your Marriage Ends.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess that summarizes some of the steps that I encourage people to go through. But the idea of it is just like when someone dies, you need to go and spend time of grieving. And some people will even visit a gravesite or have a special place where they go and do that. But they don't live there. You don't go to the cemetery, take your tent, pitch it there, and say, well, now I just This this is my life now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're losing something, Mm -hmm. and it's painful, Mm -hmm. and you grieve it. Mm -hmm. And there are times that you should give to your grieving. And maybe at the beginning, the grieving almost consumes you. It's hard to control Mm -hmm. it. But as time goes on, you learn to take time for it. But you walk out of the cemetery and you engage in life
2: mm-hmm. until
0: it's necessary to come give attention to that again.
2: Right. And mm-hmm. in the
0: same way with your marriage, you are going to have to grieve. And at the beginning, it's going to be very painful. Mm-hmm. But just make sure you're intentionally stepping out of that and re-engaging with life and, and doing that more and more as time goes on. Don't get caught mm-hmm. in the pain
1: and the right. grief. And that's with any grief. The difference that I have had a lot of clients tell me, though, which I agree 100%. When you are grieving an actual death yes. of a loved one, right. the right. person is gone. Yeah. When you are grieving a divorce at the end of a marriage, that person's out there doing stuff. And it's possible that person's out there with their affair partner. Yeah,
0: yeah. so you have to be faced with it. Yeah. Plus, plus oftentimes in death, someone was taken from you. Mm-hmm. In this kind it's, of grieving, yeah, someone chose to leave you. That's a whole different kind of pain. Mm-hmm. But or it's... you
1: chose to leave them yes. because of what they did. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's
0: unique, but mm-hmm. it's still that mm-hmm. that kind of grieving a loss of yeah. something that's not going to be what you always thought it would be. Right. You thought your story was going to go a certain way. You knew what the next chapters, yeah. at least roughly were going to look like right. and how the, how things might end. You right. can always imagine that. And now you're looking at blank pages. Of, well, I don't even know yeah. what and
1: this looks like. And you go through you know. the same kinds of cycles. You know, you go through the depression, you go through anger, you go through that feeling of injustice about everything, you know, and that's all okay. I think the main thing that I try to encourage clients is, To not make those emotions the enemy, even when they aren't pleasant emotions, to thank the emotion for the purpose that it serves for that moment, and then let it go. It's like, I will actually do this in my own life, you know, when I'm feeling angry or upset about something, I will catch myself at times and just say, thank you, anger. You're (laughs) telling me that I have to keep working through some of the stuff underneath. You're yeah. giving me an alarm bell right. and I appreciate that. Thank you for serving your purpose. Now I'm letting you go. Yeah. And, and, I and pain of,
0: is one of those big absolutely, Absolutely.
1: Pain, loss, um, fear. you know, fear, definitely oh, for a lot of people being so afraid of being alone. This might be the first time they've ever been with no relationship. Right. Uh, and so it's a very scary thing of, I have no idea what my life is going to look like now. But to acknowledge that and to not kind of vilify it and to say, thank you, fear, because you're showing me that I need to pay attention to myself and my life and what I want for myself. I need to kind of name things and kind of move forward in a healthy way with that. To constantly, I think, with fear especially, is kind of reframe the thoughts that you're afraid of. Am I afraid of something that is real Or i am afraid of things that I'm imagining might happen? So things like that. And, you know, just getting in touch with your feelings and and how they are being utilized for your good in the end can be very, very important during that whole process. And to recognize that they go up and down and up and down. It's all a cycle. It's not like, oh, I went through anger already. Now it won't come up again. No, (laughs) it will happen in cycles and you can't really... Predict when or where, but it's all part of the natural process. And I think as long as we stay engaged with it and stay cognizant that we can move through it in a healthy way.
0: The tagline on our homepage at fairhealing.com says, infidelity is a wound, not a death blow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of times the fear comes from that perspective of my life is ruined. Mm-hmm. Everything I hope for is done. Mm-hmm. And the alternatives are just darkness and yeah. the hope is, feels gone. Mm-hmm. may feel that way. That's honestly not the truth. Right. The chapters that are yet to be written are not the ones you thought would be there. Mm-hmm. But there are still chapters. Yep. Yet to be written. Mm-hmm. And you can write them. And I know that sounds really poetic and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of fuzzy, whatever, but it's true. hmm And you and I have both watched clients who are in deep fear and oh, yeah. almost hopelessness. Mm-hmm very hard to see the possibility of anything that would feel good in the life ahead for them and yet are able to find their way there. That's the truth of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I think shame is another emotion when you're talking about moving on alone.
1: Right. Absolutely. Mostly probably for the person who had the affair, wouldn't you say? I think
0: mostly, but sometimes too for the injured spouse, Mm -hmm. that feeling of What's wrong with me? Sure. Why wasn't I enough? Oh, absolutely. It can be a hard thing to shake. That Mm -hmm. kind of shame can Mm -hmm. be difficult. Many times as you move forward, if you can put that fear and that that message in its proper place and learn how to heal and move forward confidently, there's some surprising (laughs) things that can happen in your life Mm -hmm. that are in contrast to that message of shame.
1: Sure. Yeah, and I guess, too, I was just thinking about it it may be because i've heard this happen too is that the person who has the affair kind of blames it on the betrayed yeah, spouse sure. well if you'd been a better spouse i wouldn't have done this kind of thing and that can cause a lot of shame even when it's that's such yeah. I want to say <laughs> that's BS. Yeah. So, so you need to get some truer messages in your life yes. and
0: really li- pay attention to them yes. and listen and give voice to them because right. that's the truth. Yeah. The person that betrayed you, if they're saying those things to you, right. that's not the truth. No,
1: I always say they are not an adequate source of information no, for you. No, 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 They are not reliable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but let me speak to the shame of the person who had an affair too, because I know what that's like. I've lived that. And moving on, uh, apart from a marriage, that you know, you're responsible for <laughs> breaking apart. You carry great responsibility in that the injury that was caused and the consequence that it all led to. That's that can be a difficult thing to carry moving mm. forward. Mm-hmm. And and I and I know, I know, I can already hear the people saying, "Well, what do you expect?" In fact, I've had those words said to me. <laughs> you know, I know several years after my affair. I was in an experience where I was feeling great shame and remorse, and I was sorrowful, and I was feeling the pain and the hurt of what I'd done, and I was in tears and I was in anguish. And the message that was spoken to me right away was, Well, what do you expect because of what you did? Mm. Well, I guess there's truth in that, but that sure
1: didn't help. Well, there are consequences, but. Yes, there are.
0: But I mean, listen. This is years afterwards, and and there are people. There was someone that followed me around for years. I don't know who it was for sure, but mm-hmm. that wanted to make sure that my shame was known to everybody around me. Mm-hmm. You know, even new people I would meet would get emails or messages. Hey, you know what this guy did, and that can be a difficult thing. Now, now that doesn't happen to most people, mm-hmm. but I think the shame for many is just the internal message mm-hmm. that they have, and. I want to say if you're going to move forward alone and you had an affair and you are going to wrestle with the knowledge that um, I caused consequence, first of all, accept that that's true.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You
0: you shouldn't deny that that's. Push that <laughs> right? away and say, oh, right. I don't need to think about no, that anymore. No, you no, no. have
1: to There, there is that.
0: There is guilt there. There yep. is responsibility there. There is regret there. There's yes. nothing wrong with that. I will right. carry the regret of my choices for the rest of my life. Right. But that's different from shame. Right. That's different from that message that, that will say to you, because of what I did, I have lost my right to a sense of worthiness. Right. I have lost my expectation for real goodness to happen in my life. Right. I should just expect justice and consequence. Right. That's not the truth. No. You, you can, through your own failure, learn some very significant things that move you forward in a healthy way. Right. And on the other side of it, there can be grace right. and there can be joy. There yeah. can be a lot of things that maybe your spouse, if they're not in a healthy place, are not going to want you to experience because they will want you to face consequences. And I know I'm making a generalization right. there. Not Not everybody does that. But it can feel that way sometimes, right. the person yeah. that had the affair.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think regret turns into shame when you stop taking it for what it is, which is kind of a lesson not to repeat the same behavior. Mm -hmm. That's what regret is really for in our litany of different kinds of emotions. When it turns into, rather than that, rather than a, oh, wow, I won't do that again. It turns into a, You will always carry this. Constant
0: condemnation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is now permanently embedded in you. The Scarlet A. (laughs) Yeah. And it defines who you are as a person now. Forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it's like whoa. That now it's shame. Yeah. Now well, it's you're you know a what? terrible the, person. There are
0: there is some truth in the fact that especially if it was public, if your mm-hmm. affair is public, there is mm-hmm. going to be a sense in which some people are always going to quickly mm-hmm. identify you with that. Thing. Yep. You're not going to be able to escape that in this world. But what's more important is what you begin to tell yourself yeah. and the people you trust and the people that care about you mm-hmm. should be a very different message. Mm-hmm. And there is real hope for that. Mm-hmm. So don't drown in your shame.
1: Right. Absolutely. You well, need don't to
0: heal out of. It.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. And and again, have compassion on yourself. You made a terrible, terrible decision yeah. <laughs> and you may have made multiple terrible decisions. <laughs> but when you have that wake up call and you go through that point, like you were talking about, Tim, where you are broken and just devastated at what you've done, when it really hits you, the impact of your decision and, and decisions mm-hmm. and how they have affected everybody. Right. When you get to that spot, how you move through that is the definitive kind of quality of it in starting to say, yep, I did that. That is a terrible thing. And now I have to work toward forgiving myself so that I can move forward helping other people possibly and letting that part of your story actually be a powerful life lesson and a powerful hope for other people too. You know, I always look at devastating things as being for others. Right. I always look at that in my own life. I say, okay, yep, this thing happened to me. It's now part of my story and it's part of why I'm a counselor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, me so. too. Yep. Let's talk about relationship issues. And especially if you are parents, Sure, you will never stop being parents for the rest of your life. You're going to be parents of those children. And that relationship can be either one that is a partnership Which would be great not only for you, but for your children. Mm. Or it can be one in which you become enemies. Or it can be one in which you become strangers and just kind of each touch Mm -hmm. your kids in your own way. Which gets really awkward when weddings and special events, graduations, all those things come up grandchildren, you know, strangers coming together, it's, it's, it can be a little bit weird, yeah. but doing it in a way where there is some sort of cooperation, especially if you have young children, you'd have to be partners together for
1: the sake of
0: the children.
1: I know, gosh, you've got to keep them in your mind. Like that, I think is a huge problem because your own pain gets in the way, your own heightened emotional state that can be chronic sometimes can go on for years. Yeah it just blinds you to what your kids are going through.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've put together a guide for parents who are looking to separate or divorce and things they should consider in how they relate to their children, what they tell their children. Mm-hmm. And I'll post that in the notes of this podcast. If you go to affairhealing.com slash podcast 214, you'll see that as a free download. It will give you some further help in regards to what things should be said or done in regards to your children. Think about what your children need. Mm. Not what you want or need right now, but think about what your children need. If the separation or divorce is the decision that's been made, there are still things your kids need from both of you moving forward. Mm -hmm. Your children need you to protect one another's roles. Mm. If they start coming between the two of you, and listen, you know it's not uncommon for one parent to want to turn their kids towards their opinion. Absolutely. And I want you to see my side of things. Absolutely. I want you to agree with my point of view. And they criticize the other parent or it becomes very lopsided. And the kids get that from both sides and that causes stress. Those are the people we see later on for counseling. Sure. Oh, absolutely.
1: I've done EMBR with people about their parents' divorce when they were little and how it affected them in huge ways their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think, in your opinion, that in an affair situation, it's even worse? Because I know in normal divorces, parents kind of do that. Mm-hmm. They kind of want to be seen as the better parent. They want to be the favorite. Yeah. But, I mean, don't you think in this kind of situation, it's even worse? Well,
0: there can certainly be the temptation for the betrayed spouse to say, you're the bad person. Sure. That we're doing this because, and there's a truth to that. Yeah. you're in this place of crisis because an affair happened. Mm-hmm. But when that becomes the focus and the blame starts happening, and that parent wants the children to understand this isn't my fault, right. this is their fault, right. I can guarantee the other person is probably going to want to defend themselves. So, whoa, 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 this yep. didn't happen outside of a context. Right. Do you know our marriage wasn't yeah. that? Blah, blah, blah. If you, blah, you blah. only
1: knew and, what they were like.
0: And, and what are the kids supposed to think about
1: that? No, they get oh, caught they... in the
0: middle of this, Poor this, things. this yeah. fight. They don't want that to happen. No. They don't want to have to decide who's telling the truth and who's not. Whose side do I take? Who's don't? No. Take both of your sides. And you know what? You need to suck it up. Encourage a healthy relationship between your children and the other parent, despite how you feel about them. Right. Despite, of course, I'm not talking about an issues of risk or abuse. <laughs> you know, no. That's, oh, we're oh, just no. talking about the normal. Normal. Because you're hurt and you're angry and bad things were done. That's mm-hmm. no question mm-hmm. about that the health of your children is going to be affected by the choices you make.
1: And you know what's really interesting? I have had a client who really stuck up for their spouse during their whole separation process. Mm -hmm. This person was so kind about the person having the affair. Essentially, their spouse was ping-ponging for a long time. They were separated. And the kids know it because they're a little older. They knew kind of what was going on. Mm -hmm. But during this whole separation... This person, the betrayed spouse, was so kind and gave so much grace to the affair person. Yeah. Only said, you know, very kind things. Didn't, like, blow smoke. But but only said very kind, supportive things about the person having the affair to the kids. Yes. It's a little bit counterintuitive, I guess. But the children ended up seeing the betrayed spouse who was saying all the kind things and refused to say nasty things about the person having the affair, they saw them in just glowing terms. Yeah. Do you know what I well, mean? Kids aren't
0: stupid. No, well, of course yeah, no. not. And even young ones, you know, they may not be able to articulate those conclusions mm-hmm. or have the deep insider perspective to really be able to define it, the differences between one or the other, but they grow up understanding that. Sure. They intuit it. They feel it. Sure. And I think it's really hard... When one parent's trying to do that and the other is not. Right, right. Because you start to think, what are my kids going to think? Because I know when they go and spend time with that other parent, I think they're hearing a version of things. They're hearing more criticism. Mm -hmm. And I want to defend myself. Mm -hmm. Don't. Mm -mm. Because in the long run, Mm. your kids are going to realize what was right and what was healthy and what Mm -hmm. wasn't. Mm -hmm. In the long run, you're going to be better off if you continue to hold to that standard of wanting to encourage the other parent, their relationship with them. Say the things that are positive. Mm-hmm. Don't criticize them. Mm-hmm. Don't don't enter that game. It just right. makes it worse.
1: Yeah. Would you go so far as to say? Because this just popped in my head, but in your opinion, would you go so far as to say kids intuit motives behind what parents are saying about I think the other so. parents?
0: I think even young kids. I think sometimes mm-hmm. I don't think they understand it, mm-hmm. but I think they can they, sense they pick up a the motivation
1: stuff, behind right? it. So yeah. depending on what it doesn't even matter necessarily what you're saying as much as. The heart behind it, it's almost like kids have a radar for that in their parents.
0: Yeah. I mean, ideally, parents, when your kids aren't there, if you're moving on away from the marriage, have a conversation. Mm.
2: hmm Absolutely. And talk
0: about how are we going to cooperate in this. Mm-hmm there's any place where are you going to set down the weapons mm-hmm. and be a little bit more gracious or vulnerable. It's in the context of things that you're going to do for your kids' sake and mm-hmm. ways you will cooperate together for your kids' sake. Don't be that family at graduations. Or at weddings. Your problem becomes their problem. Right, and now absolutely. all their energy has to go into how do we keep them apart? Right. How do we keep anything bad from happening? How sad is that? that? Is so it sad. does not have to happen. Right. Let your problems be your problems, not your children's problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really encourage. And again, go, go to that free download and it'll give you some more help. How about new romances?
1: Mm. <laughs> Actually, I heard you say something at one point that I really liked. And it was... Let new relationships come as a result of your healing, not used as an attempt to heal. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very, very powerful sentence. It is a very huge nuance because a lot of times people go right into the rebound quote unquote relationship because feeling like things are ending becomes uncomfortable. They want a new relationship right away. That's real common. I mean, real common. I would say 90% (laughs) of people want that myself Mm -hmm. included. Mm -hmm. I know in past in the past when relationships ended, I was immediately kind of going scanning for Mm -hmm. a new one. And that is not at all going to help you heal. It is an attempt to heal, but that is not, it's seriously. Yeah, because seriously. all that stuff
0: you really haven't given the proper attention to, you right. take that right into the next relationship. And it feels good. It feels connected. You feel, mm-hmm. oh, here's all the stuff I've yep. missed. And yep. I, I feel like someone's attentive to me. I feel right. good about myself. Again. Yeah, but that's
1: the whole thing that sparked the affair that's, in the yeah. affair person. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this feels so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's not real, really. I mean, not that you can't have a good, real relationship with a person right off the bat, but underlying it again like you said you're dragging all the hurt stuff with you Mm -hmm. and it will sometimes hinder you healing at all other times it will just slow down your healing it's not fair to the new relationship really to drag all that stuff with you you really need to be working through your stuff before you start looking for new romance
0: Uh, whether you were the involved spouse or the injured spouse Mm -hmm. i think it's important that you give time to consider What have I learned and what am I learning through this painful process? How am I going to be different? And yes, even you as the betrayed spouse, I mean, you can think of what the person had the affair, what changes they need to make, but you're learning some things about yourself through this painful process too that are important for you to learn.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's going to change you in ways. It might as well change you for better ways, but that's not going to happen unless you pause and allow yourself to sit in that for a while and really understand what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then you can take that into the next relationship. And it's also fair to ask what present differences will you look for in a partner sure. now that you've been through this? Right. Not just the comparison things. Well, sure. this is how no. they were. So I'm going to have some better, but qualities you're going to be looking for that demonstrate someone who is healthy, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. someone
0: who is going to be able to cooperate with you in establishing a different kind of relationship moving forward. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand yourself first and then what to look for. Right. That, that doesn't happen when you just jump into the next thing that feels good.
1: And I think also one of the things that comes out of spending some time healing is that you will also be able to see the good that your ex had. And it may be that if you look for a new relationship too soon, you're totally making the ex-person terrible mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. And what that can do is cause you to jump into something that is exactly opposite from the person that you just split up from. And that might not be right because the person you just split up from did have some good qualities and Mm -hmm. you may want to take some of those with you. You know what I mean? So rather than making it black and white, you can actually kind of pick and choose some really good stuff that came out of it too. So you're not just choosing a relationship because it's exactly (laughs) opposite.
0: Let's just end by considering this spiritual aspect. The only reason I'm doing this, because I know from our background, kind of the, the Christian faith background, we become aware that some churches and some teaching are pretty strict when it comes to issues of divorce.
1: Absolutely. In fact, some
0: are prohibitive. Yes. And so people think... I can't even consider the thought of moving alone, even if I think that'd be healthy for me because I think it's prohibited. I'm not allowed to do that. God doesn't allow it. We work with clients from other faiths and other cultures and no faith at all. And this dynamic, this expectation can come not just from Christian circles, but from others as well. But let's talk about it from our perspective.
1: I will tell you that in my first marriage, I stayed probably at least a year and a half, maybe two years longer, in that marriage, then I would have, just because I was so tormented by the idea of displeasing God by divorcing. Because... And, and, and
0: God's people, I mean, like what people in the church would say. Well, about that what you.
1: they were telling me. Yes, yes, it's never God's will for divorce. Mm. It's never God's will for divorce. Mm. It's never, etc. <laughs> etc. Cetera, et cetera. It was really tormenting i mean i lost sleep over it so many times it was awful because i wanted to end it because he had been unfaithful on more than one occasion and i still even though the bible says well unless there is infidelity it's never god's will for divorce even though i heard that i knew the pressure was on though from the church Mm -hmm. but you really don't want to do it though right even if you have an out in scripture, you really don't want to do yeah. it.
0: Well, let me just say that there, there is a verse in the Bible that says God hates divorce. Yeah. 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 So people t- see. Of course. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> but there are some things I think God hates worse than divorce. You know? Yes. Marriage is meant to be a vow, a promise that you keep. And yet when infidelity occurs, mm-hmm. and even though I know that verse is translated adultery in some translations of the Bible, the word is porneia, the Greek word porneia that's translated that way actually is much broader than just adultery. Mm. It just means, uh, what's the word we get pornography from? Mm. It's it's a sexual infidelity that's mm. that's really really kind of broad. Well, I don't want to get too technical or biblical about that stuff. But even if you just were going to isolate it, dwell to adultery. Well, then that's at least something that God hates worse than divorce. Because mm. he says if that happens, mm. you are free to end the marriage. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. It's not mm-hmm. a command. Right. In fact, grace can happen there too and, and marriages can be restored and that's a great story of grace but it's mm-hmm. not a requirement. Right. So if God doesn't require it, we need to be very careful that we don't impose that requirement ourselves. Right, right. And if someone chooses not to stay in a marriage, even if right. you're in a church, I don't believe anybody has a right to come alongside and guilt them yeah. and tell them you're not doing the right thing. Right, right. That's just, if well, God doesn't do it, what right do you have to do that? Oh,
1: absolutely. But then again, isn't that always the problem? <laughs> um, but the first, time that he was unfaithful to me I did make the decision on my own to stay and that one was my own decision that one I based it on I really want to give it more of a shot because we had only been married like two months the first time (laughs) so I really did want to try to work it out and he seemed very remorseful and all that so I did stay for my own but when it happened again later it really was more of I had people in my life at that time going oh well you really want to work it out you really don't want to do this thing and I was so conflicted about it and stayed and then it happened again and you know it just
0: well even after that you have had people in the church condemning you
1: well what happened was after I had divorced him actually I went to a Bible study that was part of the church that we had gone to together And I went to this Bible study, and somebody that had known us before asked me where he was, this woman that I hadn't spoken to. I mean, I barely knew her. Uh, And I told her, I said, oh, you know, well, we we got a divorce, you know. And without her knowing anything, because I always refused to drag his name through the mud, Mm -hmm. she just looked at me and said, oh, well, Christians divorcing each other. That's just totally foreign to me, is what she said. And I just... I He's tried like, to be gracious. Thank you, ma'am. I did. I tried to be gracious. I just said, well, I, I can understand you thinking that um, because you don't know the story and everything. Yeah. So, okay, then take care. And I never went back to that Bible study.
0: Yeah. And well, I never went
1: back to that church either because I felt so condemned by that. But for, for some of
0: you listening to this, this may just seem really weird to you. You don't come from an environment where that's that much pressure or religious expectation, but some do. Oh, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be very careful. I, I don't want to play the role of a pastor or, the, or spiritual teacher in this regard. You know, there there are a number of different perspectives on what the Bible says about divorce. Mm-hmm. I would say to you, if you're curious, go to a, what's called a concordance. Some Bibles have them in the back of them, but you can find these places. It's like a, a dictionary of where all these different words appear in the Bible. And just look at the different passages that talk about divorce or adultery. There are a few that pop up as commonly known, but if you start looking at Every place the Bible talks about it, Old and New Testament. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this, you're going to get a little bit confused. Mm. There are some interesting messages Mm. about all this. We pick and choose the ones we want to do.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, you know what? That was her fear speaking that woman. She was afraid because it's like, if that can happen to those Christians, oh my gosh, it could happen to me. And I think that's at the root of a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, Well,
0: bottom line. The message of the gospel and the message of our work is a message of grace, is a message of healing. It's not a message of judgment and condemnation. So if you're in a place or if you're in a church where even despite your efforts to heal, Mm -hmm. you feel this condemnation and pressure, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're probably in a wrong church. Mm -hmm, You Uh, you don't need to go to a place that just, you know, hey, whatever you want to do, it's fine. I'm not saying that, but you do need to be in a place. We should be in a place that is teaching that the good news. Mm -hmm is one of forgiveness. The mm-hmm. good news is one of grace. The good news is a message of freedom as mm-hmm. we move forward. Right. Not this constraining, judgmental, narrow obligation that mm-hmm. is filled with shame. Right. And, well, that's you know, what it is. Yeah. It,
1: it's a shame thing. Like Ooh, if you do this, you're shame on you. You're a bad person. <laughs>
0: As we wrap up, we've talked about a lot of things, but I guess I'd encourage you just to give thought to a few questions. Mm -hmm. The first would be, is it time for you to consider moving on? And if you're kind of early in the process, Be patient. Give it more time to settle down emotionally so you can have a perspective of a choice that you are going to have confidence in and not regret down the road. But for some of you, maybe it is time to ask these questions.
2: Absolutely. Maybe
0: you realize I'm either unable or unwilling Mm -hmm. to move forward in investing any more in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And I need to consider what it means for me to heal alone. Don't be afraid to ask that question. And don't be afraid to take those steps If it's time for you to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. It really is about you making the good choices for you to be healthy. And not that, you know, that means that you're operating in a vacuum and it's all about you all the time. Mm -hmm. But you will be a much better person all around in every relationship you get into when you are taking good care of yourself. That's the whole point.
0: (laughs) And and I'd also ask, you know, who's giving you advice and input? Mm -hmm. And hopefully you've got a good counselor or Mm -hmm. someone that wise and someone you can trust. Don't just listen to people who have a single minded agenda. Right. That have an opinion that on the other side of this, oh, you absolutely must save your marriage. Right. Or on the other side, oh, you absolutely should leave, or else you're right. being a chump or being a weak wimp. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, neither of those extremes may be true for you. Right, right. The truth sometimes is one where you settle in the middle of that and then determine this is the right path for me. Mm-hmm. And if someone's joining you, your spouse is joining you, and you choose to cooperate with them, that's a great outcome, and sure. it's possible. If you are unwilling or unable, maybe because they're not cooperating with you or joining you in that effort, then maybe healing for you is taking the next step alone,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, apart from them. But get the input of people that you trust, that care about your well-being, and, and mm-hmm. really rest on them As you move through this process. Well, one more thing. We would like to follow up this discussion because it is an important one. Answering maybe some of the specific questions you have. Go to the podcast page on our website for this podcast. And at least for a while after we post this, we're going to have a form there where you can submit your question about moving on alone. And in the next week or so, we'll look at those questions and we'll take some of those and maybe do a follow-up to this one, a question and answer, if they're enough. If, if we've covered it all, we won't have to do it. But uh, go to AffairHealing.com slash podcast 214, and you'll see the form to submit there. Thank you for listening.
1: Thanks so much.
0: The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for a fair Recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.